today I want to I want to bring your attention to this moment. I'm not going to be long, I think, and I want to bring your attention to this moment when some wise men went on a journey to find Jesus who was born. I want to share with you today some lessons we can learn from the wise men. The wise men were actually royal astrologers. Um, they studied the stars. They studied the stars to, to figure out what the future would hold. So if you think about an astrologer, which we call the wise men, or the Bible calls the wise men, they were always looking up and always looking down the road, looking up to find a sign that would tell them or predict something that would happen in the future. So these astrologers, these wise men, also known as magi, were studying the stars. And all of a sudden, at the right time, a star appeared that they'd never seen before. It was a star that they were actually looking for and had been waiting for. I want to I talk tonight from Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to spend all of my time in 2. Starting in verse 1, listen to the story. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it, as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as, everyone, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? To which they said, in Bethlehem. So in comparison to the shepherds like we talked about last week, the wise men come along a little further in the story. They weren't there the day after Jesus was born or even the day that Jesus was born. It's, it's, it's estimated they came along somewhere between a couple of months old to within a year or so. Jesus was a child now. He was not just an infant in a manger anymore. So they came along, and, and by this time, Mary and Joseph had moved from the, the, the stable into a house. They found a house. There was roommate available to them. And they, they, they found a house. They were staying in the house. And the wise men who had been looking to the stars, always searching the stars for future events, saw the star that they had never seen before. And that star took them to Jerusalem. And so they, they enter into Jerusalem and they go to the king. I don't know why they went to King Herod thinking that maybe he had the answers. Maybe it was protocol. I don't know what it was. But for whatever reason, they went to King Herod to ask him if he knew where the king was born, this new king. To which Herod had an issue, right? And, would, and, and, and them going to King Herod would actually start some events that would happen not long afterwards that would cause Joseph and Mary to have to flee to Egypt. So it's believed that the astrologers were looking because they were taught the scriptures by possibly Daniel. It's, it's also believed that they were taught the scriptures by Balaam. It doesn't say whether or not the astrologers were believers or not. It just says that they studied the stars. And studying the stars and knowing the timeline of the scriptures, because if you read the Old Testament, it'll give you some, some pretty hard dates on when Jesus would be here on the planet. 
It gives you the date of when Jesus would, would ride the donkey into Jerusalem. It would give you the date of when Jesus would, would down a cross and ascend into heaven. And it's believed that they took those dates and they backed them up and they estimated the time that Jesus would be born. It was, a, it was an approximation. It was an estimation. Like possibly he could be born about this time. Keep in mind, this is the astrologers. Not, not the leading priest, not the teachers of religious law. These were the, the star-studying people. And so, as they were looking at the stars, one appears that they've never seen before, and it leads them to Jerusalem. And then there they have that conversation with Herod. Herod brings in the religious leaders, the leading priests, the religious teachers. And he says, hey, where's, where's this Jesus supposed to be born? And they verify, and they say, Bethlehem, which tells me that they knew where Jesus was supposed to be born, but it doesn't tell me that they were looking for the time for him to be born because it seems like they were clueless that the king had come. Let me give you just a simple little phrase might be worth hanging on to tonight. It's hard to see if you're not looking. Do you know that still applies today? It's hard to see Jesus if you're not looking for him. Some of you have been so busy with this season, making sure your presents were right, your house was right, your hair was right, your clothes were right, everything was right, that you didn't see Jesus until maybe right now. And if that's the case and we created a moment for you to see Jesus in this season, then praise God for that. Tonight was worth it. Amen? And so the star led them to Jerusalem. And then, boy, it rubbed her wrong. And he told them, he said, I'll tell you what, you go find him, and when you find him, let me know. I want to go worship him too, which was a lie. And so the, the wise men walk out to see the star again. The star that led them to Jerusalem was also going to lead them to Bethlehem. What's disappointing to me is that the leading priests and the teachers didn't know that Jesus had come. It's amazing to me today how church folks can miss Jesus in the everyday life, right? I'm guilty. There's days I get so wound up in what I'm doing, I don't see Jesus that day. There's days I get so worried about what's going on and so busy with everything else or so distracted or so, so beat down that I just, I just miss it all. I'm guilty. A little phrase you might want to write down, it's hard to see if you're not looking. Ever heard that before? It's hard to see if you're not looking. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. Watch what it says. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So when they first see the star, it brings them to Jerusalem. They have a meeting with Herod. They walk out of the meeting with Herod. They go outside. There's the star again. And this time the star leads them to Bethlehem, not just to Bethlehem, but exactly where Jesus is. Let me ask you a question. Who created the stars? God created the stars. Who moves the stars? God moves the stars. Who placed the wise men at the feet of King Jesus? God did, right? 
He led them with a star. He got the shepherds there by an angel. God can show up any way that he wants to. As long as you're ready to see him, you'll see him and experience him. Amen? So they walk in, and something happens to them. I want you to notice the first thing that happens to them before they walk in is they saw the star where it stopped over Jesus, and the Bible says that they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy because they had finally found Jesus. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, let's just get realistic with this for a second. What, what, if, what if you studied stars? <laughs> let's not go too far with that. And, and, and that star led you to a place where Jesus was. What if you were one of the wise men and you finally made it to where Jesus is? How would you feel? Thank you. One of the kids said, good. <laughs> the kids will preach with me this, t- t- this afternoon. So the star stopped right over where Jesus was, and they were filled with joy. Watch what happens next. They walk in, and they see the child, and their next reaction is what we're going to learn from today. Three things happened to the wise men as soon as they walked in the house. Three things happened to the wise men as soon as they walked into the presence of Jesus. Please hear me today. Something always changes in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to tell this side. That side wasn't listening. Something always changes in the presence of Jesus. Some days your greatest destination, some days your greatest move is just to get out of what you're in and into the presence of Jesus. Some days the best thing you can do is shut your phone off, shut the world off, and get in the closet with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because it's in the presence of Jesus that everything changes. They were excited. On the outside of the house, they were excited about the star. But when they walked in the house, they got really excited about the king. It seems like they forgot about the star because they were in the presence of the king. My God, we need to get excited about the presence of the king. (laughs) So three things happened. Watch this. Number one, they had wisdom to bow. They had a heart to bow. They had wisdom to bow. Their first reaction is their most important reaction. And I want you to hear this today. Your first reaction to Jesus is always your most important reaction. In fact, your first reaction says more about you than your second reaction. Did y'all hear that? Your first reaction says more than your second reaction to Jesus. They walk in and the first thing they do is they bow down. That means they get low. This, this describes their posture. It describes something. They were doing it in the physical, but it, has, it had a whole lot to say about their heart. It wasn't just their body bowing. It was their heart leading their body to bow. Their posture got low in the presence of a king. See, we don't understand this because we talk bad about the president. And if he showed up today, we wouldn't even bow. We wouldn't even do none of that. We would just talk about him, right? But, but we don't understand what it means to be in the presence of a real king. In the presence of a real king, you have to take a lower position. If your heart is right, if you have wisdom, and you're willing to posture yourself. Their first reaction was to bow low. They first had to have wisdom to know that they were in the presence of a king. 
And I want you to know this today, that Jesus is always king. He was king before he came. He was king the day he was born. He was king when he was a teenager. He was king when he was a young man. He was king when he was an older man. And he's risen and he's still a king today. Jesus is always king. So as soon as we're in his presence, we need to bow low. Something needs to change in our hearts. Anybody ever been prideful? Anybody ever been a little puffed up and think I ended and independent and thinking I'm, a, I'm good, I'm, I'm strong, I got this going on, I got this going for me? Jesus is always king. We must have wisdom to know that. So number one, they had wisdom to bow. Number two, they had wisdom to worship. Now, they were astrologers, not musicians. The Bible doesn't tell us they could multitask. <laughs> it doesn't tell us that they were multi-talented. It just tells us that they were astrologers. They studied the stars, but they worshiped. They walk into the room, first reaction, bow low, get your posture right. Oh, this is good stuff. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> One of the most important things you can do today is just get your heart right. They got their heart right. They got their, their body right. They got their, their posture right. And then the second thing they did is they worshiped. But I want to teach you something real quick about worship. Worship doesn't always have to have music playing. Worship doesn't always have to make noise. Worship doesn't always have to be said. But worship is expressed. It has to be expressed. You see, when they were bowing, they were bowing. But when they were worshiping, something had to be expressed. If they wouldn't have expressed something, they would have just stayed bowing. Come on. But they had something inside of them because they got their posture right, their heart was right. Something had to come out of them. It wasn't manufactured. There wasn't a there wasn't a, a, a owner's manual to tell you how to be in the presence of a king. It was a reaction that happened in the presence of a king. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're in the presence of Jesus, like something needs to get expressed from inside of you. They worship. Let me help you understand what this worship looked like because it may not be what you think it was. The way we understand worship in most cases today is when a band plays and some, some good-looking people with great voices and talents and all that lead us in song and we do those great things and we have an incredible worship team and I love them. They're the bomb diggity and all that good stuff. But listen to me, worship is even more than that. That word worship in Matthew chapter 2 is where we get the Greek word proskunio. Proskunio is the Greek word for worship. It has two, two parts to the word. The first part is pros or pros, and it means towards. So proskunios means this. It means that something goes towards something else. We're talking about worship. This is the Greek word for worship. It has to be directed towards someone or something because we can worship things too, can't we? Can't we? <laughs> so it has to go towards someone. Who's responsible for where your worship goes? You are. Nobody else can direct your worship but you. Why? Because it should be flowing out of your heart. You're the responsible one for your worship. You're the owner of your worship. You're the one who starts and initiates your worship. You're the one that directs it in the direction that it needs to go. You're the one. So where you worship says where your heart is. 
So it was towards. And then the second part of that word is kunio, which means to kiss. So it was a kiss towards Jesus in the Greek is how it's pronounced. It gave me an analogy. It said it's like this. It's like a dog licking his master's hand with a kiss. That's how it says in Strong's Concordance. You ever, you ever walk up to a dog that you're not familiar with and you're trying to find out if he's friendly, right? And maybe he don't wag his tail. You need to proceed with caution. What do you do? You give him the back of your hand, not the front, the back of your hand. And if he comes up and he licks you, that's actually a type of worship. It's actually a type of submission. So that word worship is likened to a dog licking his master's hand with a kiss. They postured themselves to show homage to Jesus, and they adored him. So let me give you a visual real quick, and my knees will be killing me tomorrow, maybe, maybe not. But uh, they got low. They bowed. They postured themselves correctly, and then they pointed their worship at Jesus. You need to direct your worship to the right place. And when you do, you get the benefits of that worship. God inhabits the praise of his people. Sometimes we don't experience God because our posture ain't right. Sometimes our our worship isn't being expressed right. I'm sorry, I thought it was Christmas time and it was all about Jesus. They adored him. Watch this. Worship is more about your posture than your words. It's always shown before it's heard. Amen? It's always shown before it's heard. So the first thing they did was they bowed low. The second thing they did was they worshiped. They adored him. And then the third thing is that they had wisdom to give their best. Three reactions come out of the wise men. Bow low, get your posture right. Worship, point and aim your worship towards Jesus. And then here's the, second, here's the third one. They gave their best to him. You know what Jesus wants from us today? He wants our best. Some, and, and, and your best is usually always your first. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the first. Like the first moments of the day. The first of your finances, the first of your energy, the first of your emotions. That's the best that you have. Do you know you're you're the best you are when you first wake up in the morning, whether you believe it or not? Some of you are like, I ain't no good till I get some coffee, Pastor. Actually, you're better than that before you get the coffee because science shows that coffee, no, never mind. (laughs) I want to keep the church numbers where they are. We're going to let that dog lie. They had wisdom to give their best. Watch this now. There's something about giving and how you give that says a whole lot about you. It says a whole lot about me. They didn't come in and then realize they needed to give. They came packing. They came carrying their gifts. They must have, at least a day or so before, prepared these gifts to bring to Jesus when they would see the star. Think about this. Likely, it was months before they had stored up all the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, 
wrapped it up, packaged it, and had it ready to go for the minute they saw the star. You see, your giving is only at its best when it's prepared right. Ah. It's when you thought about it before you got there. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you're last minute shopping, but <laughs> just don't tell nobody to after Christmas. <laughs> you see, because their gift was prepared, it, it also s- speaks to their posture. They were already ready. They were ready to give their best. It was a forethought, not an afterthought. Wow. It was a forethought. They came ready. Boy, it says something. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared? Have you prepared your treasures to present to Jesus today? Have you prepared your heart, your emotions, your mental capacity? your physical abilities, your talents, your skills, your money, your things, have you already prepared them for Jesus to use them in 2023? Have you prepared them for Jesus to use them at your Christmas party tomorrow? When you going to need them the most? Because you know who's coming. How you give your treasure is a direct response to how you understand the great gift that Jesus is. You see, if you come unprepared, you're not thinking about the great gift. You haven't experienced the gift of Jesus. Because I promise you today, when you've experienced the gift called Jesus, you're looking forward. You're thinking ahead. You're preparing for him. Why? Because he becomes the most important thing in your life. All other things fade away. So your treasure and how you give it is a direct response to the revelation of the gift that Jesus is to you. Their gifts were fit for a king. The Bible doesn't say that Joseph and Mary were poor, though it's believed that they didn't have much. Evidently, they had enough to get to Bethlehem. God sends three wise men with, a, with gifts fit for a king because he knew he would lead them to a king. And so they presented their gifts to Jesus, likely to Mary and Joseph. They gave gold, which was like an exchange of money. They gave gold, which was used to pay for this and pay for that. Then, then they gave frankincense. Frankincense was like incense. It was something that was created or, or, or extracted to make the, the, the area or the place smell good. How many of you like a good smelling place? Come on, so you got some incense burning at the house? Yeah, okay. How many of you, your house smells like Christmas right now? Mine smells like Cheryl's famous roast. Boo, yow. Ain't no candle for that. <laughs> <coughs> they gave gold. They gave frankincense. And then they gave this third gift called myrrh. Myrrh is is a very unique gift because if not careful, you can take it wrong because myrrh was used to embalm bodies for death. But it was also used to, to relieve pain. It was medicinal and it was purposed for death. 
Now, theologians have tossed these ideas around, and they've, they've argued them back and forth about what the myrrh meant and all this. And this is what Pastor Jamie from Eunice, Louisiana knows, that at that time, myrrh was more valuable than gold. So for whatever reason, they gave Jesus myrrh, doesn't matter to me, it was more valuable than gold. What is it telling me? What is the lesson in all of this? That they gave the absolute best they could give. Gold wasn't even enough. It had to have something with it. Some of you are already thinking about next year. Some of you are trying to unpack last year. I would tell you, don't stay there too long. (laughs) But as you're looking forward to next year, I want you to start thinking about the gifts that you have and how you can present them to Jesus. What can you do? What can you give? How can you open your life up to Jesus? Because listen to me, some of you, you're one surrender away from everything changing. One surrender away from everything changing. So when you're thinking about next year, think about the gifts you're going to present to Jesus. Amen? They brought Jesus gifts fit for a king because he is the king of kings. Amen? So how should we respond to Jesus today? Let me encourage you with this. Posture yourself right. Posture yourself. I know what it's like to be human. I know what it's like to have relationships. I had something happen to me today, this week that's been tormenting me all day and, I, and, and all week, and it's been trying to steal the joy of Christmas from me. My family saw that something was up with me because my girls must have asked me about four times today, Dad, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm good. Something bothering me, a relational issue, something that just didn't want me to enjoy this, this moment because the enemy's always trying to steal moments. So you know what I did? I went into my office. I got off by myself because I was tired of feeling that way. And I bowed low with Jesus. And I worshiped him. And he showed up. And he and I, we dealt with that. And I'm not walking with that right now. Amen? He's going to settle that. He's going to fix that. We're going to work it out. But listen to me. I bowed low before him. I worshiped him. Let me encourage you to spend some time over tonight and tomorrow. Break away. Maybe get your family together. Get a moment. Get yourself a holy moment. Those are pillars in your children's life. Bow low and worship Jesus. Get your posture right. Get your heart right. And then let me encourage you with this last thing is to prepare to give Jesus your best. You know why? Because he's worth it. (laughs) He's worth it. He's the only one that's worth your best. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus is the only one worthy of your best. So what if you came to this little church tonight and the Lord met you here and this bald-headed preacher said, how about we just stop for a minute? And How about we just make sure our heart is right? We let go of those things that have been bothering us and tormenting us. 
and we just make sure that us and Jesus are right, and we give him what's due him, and that's worship and praise and to bow low and to give him our best. If you showed up and God changed your heart with that tonight, then I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm 100% satisfied. If you walk out of here tonight and your heart has changed and you're ready to bow low before Jesus and worship him and you're going to let go of all this commercialized stuff. <laughs> Almost messed up. <laughs> Come on. And we pointed our affection and our, our best back to Jesus. You know, it's amazing when you get your, your, your eyes off your problems and you put them on Jesus something supernatural happens to your problems. Let's pray. I need the kids to stand up and come forward, please. The ones that are participating in the song. Father, we come to you tonight so grateful for the great gift that you gave each and every one of us today. Jesus is for every one of us. You gave him completely. No holding back. You gave us your son. The greatest gift we would ever experience, the greatest gift we could ever receive is you, Jesus. So tonight, Lord, as we point our worship and we posture our heart and we prepare our best for you. I'm grateful that you're going to meet us right where we are. No matter what the year's been like, no matter what we've said or done, no matter the good or the bad or the ugly, we can change our focus tonight. We can change our affection tonight. So we love you, Jesus. We bless you in this moment.